Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Spark. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them across the UK. This first story was told by Cathy Teasdale at the Exmouth Market Theatre in February 2016. Hello. I was at Exeter University. I was reading English. I was editing the university newspaper and I'd spent the weekend in this basement office which was airless, the windows didn't open, and it was back in the day, this shows my age, it was back in the day of cut and paste, so it was all spray mount. <clears throat> so we'd been glue sniffing all weekend, and everyone had been saying to me, Cathy, what should we do about this, what should we do about that? By the end of the weekend, by Monday morning, when the paper was ready to go to the printers, I just had had enough of people. I was just thinking, I just don't want to see or hear another human being for the rest of the day. So I got in my little orange mini with its Go Faster stripes, and I headed down to the coast, and I first went to Seaton, and it was full of tourists and donkeys and ice cream sellers, and I thought, no, 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 I need to run away from here, so I headed further down the coast, saw a sign for a cliff path and a lay-by, so I stopped the car, got out, and the sign to the cliff path was pointing back towards Seaton, and I thought, no, I need to be alone, so I'll go the other way, and I could see the sea in front of me, so I ran the other way, and I ran along the top of the... It was very, very hot. I was wearing a little rah-rah skirt and a T-shirt and some pumps because it was such a warm summer's day. And I couldn't find a cliff path to get down, and I could see this beautiful deserted beach below me, this gorgeous water, no one around for miles. And the cliff didn't look like uh, a sheer drop. It was all kind of broken up. And maybe I got a little bit of heat stroke, I don't know. I kind of made a bad decision, which was that I was going to make it down without the aid of a cliff path. I was about six feet from the top when two, as I thought, good handholds and footholds just gave way underneath me. And I remember thinking, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I think I might be about to hurt myself. Uh, Luckily, the memory videotape then edits, so I don't actually remember tumbling down the rest of the 80 foot of the cliff. And it wasn't a sheer drop or I wouldn't be talking to you here today. So I ripped most of my clothes off in the fall. I landed on rocks on my head at the bottom. I smashed my head in my skull in two places. And then, because of who I am, the kind of person I am, I'm a bit of a free spirit, I hadn't told anyone where I was going or what I was doing, so I wasn't found for two days. I was wandering around on that beach for two days with very basic... Uh, consciousness 
very, I have, I have scraps of very vivid memories, which if you stitch them all together would probably amount to, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes out of 48 hours. I remember looking out some tiny boats on the sea and calling for help, but the fact that they were so tiny obviously meant they were too far away to hear me. I remember sitting in a rock pool and dipping my head over to get some shade and wetting my lips because I was really thirsty. I'm very grateful that even in my kind of um, limited state, I didn't drink the seawater because that can make you mad, but I wasn't tempted to do that. And then I remember, and I had very limited consciousness, so... I wasn't aware of anything beside me or behind me. I wasn't really hearing anything. I couldn't even hear myself calling out for help. I just knew that's what I was doing. I don't remember being scared. It was just a very sort of matter of fact, okay, I'm doing this now and now I'm doing that. And then I remember these two young guys who found me and I don't know if I was hallucinating, but they were a very odd couple. One was all skinny and lanky with long hair and the other one was all beefy and a skinhead. And I remember thinking, you're an odd match. And they were very sweet. And they started leading me along the beach. And I was thinking, oh, I'm doing this really well. And apparently I wasn't doing it well at all. I kept passing out. But they were holding me very gently. They had, I had my eyes closed. There's no visual to go with this. But they were holding my hands like this. I must have been so covered in blood. You know how much your scalp bleeds when you bust it. Um, so they probably didn't know where else to hold me. And apparently I kept kind of crumpling. And so one of them stayed with me and the other one went to get help. And they did the whole air-sea rescue bit. And interestingly, I have a false memory here. I'm quite convinced it's a false memory because medical professionals don't do this. I remember being shoved headfirst in the back seat of a helicopter. You know, like in those cop movies where they duck your head down. I remember being shot. No way. With a, with a bus skull, they'd have had a neck brace on me and I'd have been in a gurney and all the rest of it. Anyway, that's what I remember. And they got me into hospital and I am told, I don't remember this because I spent a week in intensive care, but I'm told that when they first got me in there, all I would say was, I'm not going to die. And they went, no, dear, we've got you now. Everything's under control. We know you're not going to die. And I went, no, 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 you don't understand. I am not going to die. I am not going to die. I'm not going to die. And I went on and on and on. And about six weeks later, so intensive care for a week, peeing in a catheter that was filling up under my, my visitors' noses, which I think is a slight... Um, something they could change but um because you're kind of peeing in public but anyway i was i was too doped up to care to be honest i know I, morphine works really well for me the world was full of sunshine and flowers it was silky smooth life had never been so simple for that first week it was really scary for my poor friends and family because they said given her injuries smashed skull on one side which they were able to staple back together the other side um smashed to smithereens and a blood clot underneath so they lifted out all the all the broken bone and then they put my scalp back with a hole like this in my in my skull which they then left for six months but they said we can't do a uh, cat scan on her till the brain scaling swelling's gone down but we have to warn you now given her injuries it'll be a miracle if she's not brain damaged okay so they had to live with that i was off with the pixies i had no idea what was going on um, and then after a week, they did the brain scan, and they said, oh, by some miracle, she's not brain damaged. She's a very lucky girl. Then they had me all doped up. Then they stopped the drugs, just like that. This was quite a long time ago. Hopefully, they've improved their protocol with this. Because they stopped the drugs, and they sent me home. And in retrospect, I was going through a doozy of a cold turkey, because they just they didn't kind of wind it down. So I was thinking in terms of... Oh, I shattered on the beach and I've got to go and find bits of myself because I, I can't put myself back together. Everything was dry, desiccated, shattered. And the scariest thing of all was that I felt really retarded. 
And they'd said to me, you're a very lucky girl, you're not retired, there's no brain damage, so whoopee-doo, good for you. But they hadn't warned me that really severe concussion can feel like brain damage. It was like my brain was a... Um, to, you know those old-fashioned telephonist boards? It was like all the plugs were going into the wrong holes and everything was short-circuiting. And I'd read a, a daily a Sunday Mail supplement article and I wouldn't understand it. And I would know that these are meant for everyone to understand, so it obviously had to be my problem. And I had this image of myself sitting crouched like a small child behind a big, solid wall, just blocked off from the world. And I discovered that's why a lot of people with head injuries are very aggressive, because they're frustrated and scared and blocked off from the world. Um, but ultimately, I, having my brain so impaired, luckily it was temporary, although some people might disagree, um, <laughs> it, it took away my ego, my sense of myself, of who I, who I was, of my kind of being able to articulate who I was, and all I had left to turn to was this kind of extraordinary reservoir of life force. I was amazed that I was still alive once I could kind of review what had happened and, and I knew all the information. And the, the bliss of being alive, of still being alive, of still breathing, of feeling the sun on my skin, of smelling the flowers, was magical and deeply spiritual. And my spirituality kind of dates from that. I was brought up as a Catholic, but that had gone out the window a long time before. It was a very powerful experience and one that I try to come back to and remember as often as I can. And it left me thinking, everyone should have a near-death experience. The trick is just to survive it. Our second story comes today from Chaylene Grieve Saunders. At the Brixton Ritzy, in February 2016. I don't know if anybody's been in Cameroon before. Um, it's a pretty hard country to get into, but I was there about eight years ago, to the day actually, which is ironic. It's a little prelude to the story. You know, I grew up in Canada, and <laughs> uh, as most Canadians, you know, I had a lot of nature around me because there's like 30 million of us divided over like 50 times the size of the UK. So there's lots of trees, lots of lakes. I like went to the forest every day as a child. I built like rafts, I built forts. You know, I climbed trees, I fell out of them, nobody cared. It was just what you did. Um, so I always had this very like trusting relationship with nature from a very young age, um, probably too much so. And I absolutely loved swimming. Um, I'm a cancer, I'm a water sign. And I kind of like figured that out when I was six and somehow thought that like, well, that was my spirit. I was a little like too far out as a young child. My parents really supported it, so I never got checked. Um, so I'd like go swimming at the lake, and like girls would be like, "Why are you so blonde?" And I'd be like, "I'm the sun. The sun's my spirit. It tells me like you should go into the water and like go get me a smoothie." Yeah, the sun said that, and they'd be like, "Yeah, totally." Um, I like really milked the albinism as like this like goddess thing. Um, anyways, so I like loved swimming. I'd like loved like swimming like a mermaid, and uh, I'd always go to the lake every day because I grew up in a town. There was two lakes, so there was like lots of beach options. So <clears throat> jump forward, I'm 18, I'm like going through my hippie stage. I'm like vegan, trying to do some charity work. I have friends who started this like small little charity from this town I'm from. And they, they're doing community work in this small little town in Cameroon. 
And they're trying to get like all of our friends to go with them to teach them how to like build composters and um, like water filtration systems and just like do some kind of sociological work and get some information on what kind of things they want. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a hippie. That sounds great. Like I'll go to Cameroon. Like it sounds awesome. Uh, so 12 of us pile onto this uh, plane. We go to Cameroon. We're there for two weeks. We're in these tiny little villages. And if you've ever been to Cameroon. I guess most of you haven't because it's pretty hard to get into. Uh, you have to have a letter from somebody in Cameroon inviting you to come in. Um, the visa process is really hard. When you go in the country, everybody tries to scam your bags from you. Anyways, so we're in these small little villages. Uh, we're having a good time. We're doing lots of good work with these tiny little communities. And it's like sweating buckets there. It's like 40 degrees every day. They have this weird infestation of bugs, so you have to wear long pants and long shirts and hats every day, and it's 40 degrees. So the communities were like, after a week and a half, they're like, you poor Canadians, you're not used to this. Take a break, go to the beach. Like, go to this beach called Cribbo. You'll have a great time. It's like a couple hours away. Just take a day off and then come back and we'll do some more work. And we're like, oh my god, thank god. Like, we're stoked about this. And right before they gave us this day off, I had gotten like really, really sick. Because when you go to Cameroon, you have to take malaria pills um, because it's really common to get there. And I had malaria pill poisoning, which I didn't know was a thing. Um, but essentially, you get really fevery and you black out for like a day. Um, and it's a little scary at first, but it's just pretty much a bad fever. But I got over it right in time for this beach day. And I was like, yeah, thank God. Like, I'm not tired anymore. I can do it. So we go to Kirby Beach for a day. We drive all the way there. And this man, his name was um, Marcial. He is this Cameroonian man that was kind of like our tour guide for the time. So he's like, yeah, I know this guy, Kirby Beach. He'll like show you all the places to go. It's going to be so much fun. You guys are going to have the best time ever. And we're like, yeah, this is so cool. We're all like 18, super naive. Um, and if you don't know, Cameroon is also like set in the 1950s. It's like super sexist. Um, women aren't to look at men in the eyes. If you try and talk to a man, they'll just ignore you. Unless they're trying to have sex with you, then they'll look at you all the time. Um, so it's like really hard to get anywhere as a woman. You have to always go through a man. So we're at the beach. Marcel introduces to this man. Um, he tells us, oh, there's these beautiful cliffs. You should climb up these cliffs and jump off this waterfall. And we're like, yeah, sure, that sounds great. So everybody starts climbing up these cliffs. And he, I'm at the very back because I'm sick and I'm still a little slow. And it's about 40 feet up. And everybody starts jumping off the cliffs. And this is one of the only spots in the world where a natural freshwater waterfall flows into the ocean. So it's beautiful. It's the most gorgeous thing you've ever seen. So all 11 people, they jump off before me. Um, there's me left and one other girl. And I jump off these cliffs. No problem for me because I've, I've done rock jumping before. And I jump down, and I jump right into the water. It doesn't hurt. It's gorgeous. And the last girl's up there, and she's really worried. So I'm like egging her on. I'm like, come on, come on. It's OK. Like, it's not going to hurt. Jump down, jump down. And she finally jumps down. And she swims to shore. And I start trying to swim towards her and join the group on the shore. But I'm, I'm having a really hard time. The water's like super bubbly. I'm a good swimmer. I'm like swimming super, super hard. And I'm like, I'm going. I'm like swimming as fast as I can, as hard as I can, super hard for like five minutes. But the water's bubbling. It's going over my head. I can barely breathe. So I, I stop to take a breath. And I get about like five meters while I'm swimming. And when I stop to take a breath, it like pushes me out 10. And everybody on the shore is like, come on, come on, Shailene. Like, come on, swim to shore, swim to shore. 
And I'm like, I'm trying, like I'm, I'm trying, come on. And so I'm like swimming, I'm swimming. And like the more it pushes me out, the more like ferocious the water gets. And it starts like flowing over my head and it's super white and it's like pushing me under. And so I'm like gulping for air. And I'm like, I'm really struggling. And they can, and everybody on the shore starts get like being less enthusiastic and really worried. They're like, oh my God, like what, what do we do? Like we're on some weird remote beach in Cameroon and there's no like lifeguards. Like should we get some money? Like who do we get? We don't know what to do. And I'm like, I'm still trying. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. Like it's all good. I'm, I'm like super optimistic. Like even in those terrible situations, I'm like, no, no, I'm totally good. I can't, I can't breathe. It's all fine. I'm Dr. Good. Don't worry about it. Um, so I'm like still swimming, still swimming. And all of a sudden, because it's a freshwater waterfall, the moment where it hits the saltwater ocean, it makes like this whirlpool. And I don't know this until this moment. And so it pushes me so far out that I hit that spot. And all of a sudden, I'm just like sucked down into this water. And I've never felt a force like this before. It just pushes me down. And I'm below the water, and I'm, t I'm trying to swim up as hard as I can and get to the top and take a breath of air. And I, I can't. And like a minute goes by, and I'm like struggling, and I'm, I'm like ferociously swimming under the water. And I can't get up, and I'm just being pushed farther and farther and farther down. And it starts getting darker, and I can't see the light. And I, I'm starting to have a really hard time breathing, and I start realizing, oh my god, like, I'm, I might die in the middle of this Cameroonian ocean, and there's not, I can't do anything about it. And I'm still trying as hard as I can to swim, but the force, the propulsion of the water is so hard, I can't work against it. And I've just kind of accepted, like, okay, I loved water, and here it is. It's taken me down, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> and I've just accepted this, and all of a sudden, something grabs me and whips me out of the water. And it was this shirtless Cameroonian man way down the beach saw me drowning and thought, stupid Canadian girl. <laughs> Grabbed a wooden canoe and paddled out and pulled me out of the water. And instantly, I just started sobbing. <laughs> because they speak French there, sorry. Um, and they were just like, oh, you're such an idiot. Like, they didn't even talk to me. They were like, just, just, just get out of the water, go to shore, you're fine. Like, don't do it again. And I was shocked. Like, I, I, like and everybody on shore was in shock. Nobody could talk for like three hours because they'd just seen me drown and miraculously get rescued. So, don't trust the water. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.